Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. We are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support the show, please consider joining the membership for exclusive and censorship-free content, share episodes, and help us spread the word. Most importantly, consider doing three kind acts today wherever you are in the world. Now, let's get into tonight's show. Today's guest is an internationally renowned chef, restaurateur, entrepreneur, author, television presenter, and documentary producer. He also has a podcast called Heal with Pete Evans, exploring nutritional and emotional well-being. His passion for food and a healthy lifestyle inspires individuals and families around the world. Welcome to the show, my friend, Pete Evans. Hey, Maddie. How are you? Good day, everybody. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's so great to have you on the show. I was on your amazing podcast. Uh, we met you know, in a group. I became familiar uh, with your work and all the... And you're just doing so much incredible stuff, man. I have a lot of respect for you and your work um, just because you're, you're directly in the line of fire and you recently got the, the Facebook badge of honor and uh, getting deleted <laughs> with like 1.5 million fans on there over years of work. And this is like a boot out the door. So it's an honor to have you on the show. And um, why don't we just start with um, you know, you introducing yourself and, and a little bit about your history and, and all the amazing stuff that you're up to now. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and that's, that's correct. A, a week ago, I was removed from Facebook with one and a half million followers, and it was for sharing COVID misinformation. <laughs> Every time you open up a newspaper or news article from the mainstream, it's, it's misinformation. It is misinformation. Even when they retract what they've said from months before or Fauci says you don't need to wear a mask, that you do need to wear a mask and this and that. I mean, where's the line drawn as what is misinformation? So I think we're in a really interesting time at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's a badge of honor, I guess. <laughs> I think I've joined the, joined the tribe, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've, for anybody that doesn't know uh, no, of me. Uh, it sounds really weird when, when you're talking about yourself <laughs> like this, but uh, you asked me the question, so I'm going to share it. I've been a chef for 30 years. Um, I trained as a culinary chef. I've opened many restaurants. We've won lots of awards. These two hands that you can see here have cooked over a million meals in a hot, sweaty box. And <laughs> I spent 20 of, 20 of those 30 years in a box working anywhere from 80 hours to 100 hour weeks. So I, I've pushed the realms of physical and mental exhaustion as well as probably spiritual exhaustion. So I, I'm, I've got very tough skin and any chef that's out there that's listening or cook or has tried their hand in a commercial kitchen will know how difficult it can be uh, for long periods of time. And just to give you a, a, an understanding of what that means, is we would work 16, 17, maybe even 18-hour days sometimes, and you wouldn't get a break where you get 10 minutes to, to consume food in whatever way you possibly could as quickly as possible or <laughs> have, have, have a ciggy out the back back in the day. It was a pretty intense time for, for at least a decade or two, and it's, um, it's a very tough industry. 
it seems to attract sort of all sorts, the misfits of society, so to speak. So as it has uh, given me really great training to, to, to be in this position that I'm in these days, which is like yourself, Matt, and the people that are either watching or listening, uh, to sharing information. Because to share information in this day and age, you need to have some sort of um, large heart. You have to have resilience. You need to have to understand that of your limitations or limits, if you have any, and where to draw your own boundaries of what you can actually commit to. And I've been fortunate enough, as I mentioned, to really push myself in, in many ways. And one of them was work. Um, some would say I was a workaholic, but I was just trying not to go broke at the, at the time by owning my own restaurants. But in all seriousness, it was actually to become a, a master of a craft, which was cooking. And over the last 10 years, I've devoted myself or committed to the exploration of what it means to be healthy long-term Sustainable health sort of is my motto. And what does that entail? Uh, and I also felt like I had a really great platform to be able to share what long-term sustainable health means coming from a chef's background. And for 20 of those years, I really didn't understand the power of food as one of our tools for long-term sustainable health. And then over the last decade, I've really... Um, buckle down and, and try to learn as much as possible in that realm, but also to expand outside of food as well, because food's pretty simple. Once you know the, the basic understandings of what you need to consume to stay healthy, that's all well and good. And it's pretty much the simplest way, simplest one that we can adapt to. But emotional well-being, understanding our limiting uh, belief patterns. Uh, understanding the patterns that we've created or adopted for ourselves, either from society or from our parents or from our upbringing or from television or media or gurus or whatever it may be, and being consciously aware of them and then seeing where our limitations are in them or identifying when they're not in alignment for us anymore, that, that can be a little bit trickier than just changing our diet. Going on certain ceremonial work or journeys such as using plant medicine or breath work or meditation or physical practices that could be a lot more difficult for quite a few people than just changing your diet but for others changing your diet could be the most difficult thing that anybody could ever suggest including yourself for you to do because we may have emotional uh, beliefs wrapped around what food means to us were we rewarded with junk food from our parents? And was that their only sign of affection to us when we did well on a test or did well in a sporting event? So there's a lot to unravel in that simple terminology of long-term sustainable health because it's physical, it's emotional, and mental, and spiritual. And there's probably more to it than that as well as we as we unlo un uh, unpeel back or peel back the layers. So yeah, it's a fascinating journey, and um, I'm very grateful to have had the experiences I've had to have that tough skin to understand or to see how far I can push back against perhaps either myself or the establishment, and to know that we've always got the 
the light inside us for whenever it gets really, really dark, either in, in us or around us, to know that we have what it takes to stand back up and move forward, however that may be for each of us, whether it's incrementally, whether it's you know a millimetre or an inch by inch, or whether it's fucking running, you know, and, and going head first or actually just taking the time to sit in wherever we're at and not act and just be aware and, and, and take, that, take that time to reevaluate and recognise what's going on in us and around us. So that was a word salad, but um, good luck for that. <laughs> oh, man, I loved it. And I think, you know, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard somebody phrase it like that, long-term sustainable health. It's so simple, but very well put. And I like how you, you know, and talk about the emotional and spiritual well-being, which is incredibly important. And I also was just imagining working 16-hour days in a, in a kitchen. I, I had a brief stint. I've done so many random jobs through my life, and one of them was a server. I, I could only serve like a very few set of tables, but, you know, I learned about the kitchen and the chaos that goes back there and like what you can and can't do, you know, like while things are happening, because they'll whoop you if you're messing up their system in the back. So it seems like a high stress environment. And I'm curious, one of the things that uh, I've been wondering and watching what you go through, because you're high profile. So you have a lot of eyes on you. And like when this started happening, I started sharing and I'm kind of a lower profile, but I got a lot of spears and bows and arrows and lost friends and I'm still losing friends and really hard. Like I think the losing close friends one is, is really tough because, you know, every single time I, I in no way want them out of my life. And, and the only way, like if I'll share my point of view and if, if it, it doesn't agree with theirs, um, then they eject me. You know what I mean? My door is always open, um, but they eject me. So I get the whole body of like sadness and emotion. I'm like, oh man, like this sucks. Um, now, random people through, you know, the Twitter universe and all that nonsense. And even for you, like mainstream media, just throw them and you're just, you'll post something in there that's so hateful towards you. And you'll just have like these la in the group we're in where you have this like laughing thing. And I'm like, man, this guy's got like some tough skin. Like, I think I'd probably be crying and, and like holding a teddy bear or something, but it doesn't seem to phase <laughs> you. So um, I'm curious if you can speak about like why it's important for you to just share you know, the truth of what you're discovering. And if you have advice for potentially other people who have influence and the other challenge, if there are distinctions would be, this is going down to the family level, you know, like how do we, how can we uh, communicate what our truth is um, without ejecting family members with respecting their opinion, but also being solid in your stance, because you know, if you go down these rabbit holes, like just food and you understand Monsanto and all the crap that's in our food, you're like, holy smokes, like, you know, this is a very for-profit industry. You shouldn't be eating all that kind of stuff. We need to, you know, upgrade a lot of things. And, and you very quickly understand that a lot of food out there is killing you, right? All the stuff that's marketed, you know, it's easy to understand once you know that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like, I just found out about the, and I didn't even, you know, food is not my strong point, but uh, I guess the ones with all the pesticides on it, they're the dirty 12 or something like that. There's like some sort of acronym. And it's like, darn it. I was like, raspberries? I was like, come on. I was like, it's a fruit. I was like, how much more is going to be killing me? You know, this is ridiculous. So um, I'll just leave it at that and, uh, you know, get your two cents. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the questions. I'll, I'll do my best to, to answer them. But I will warn everybody, I do go off on tangents and uh, I do have a beautiful cup of tea here. And it's really interesting because 
I'm drinking my tea and I've noticed that every time you see Bill Gates on an interview, just before he's, or as he's asked the question, he, he takes a moment and he, he sips from his cup, but it doesn't actually look like he drinks anything from his cup. And he, <laughs> so I hope everybody, when you're watching me drink my tea, that I don't remind you of Bill Gates. I know. he. So I actually was noticing that one of the clips, he's always, I was like, what is he always doing with this mug? What is in there? Why, he's always just sitting there <laughs> drinking something for this, you know, <laughs> CNN interview. Like if I'm getting interviewed on CNN, I'm probably not going to be sitting there with like coffee. And yeah, it is odd. It is <laughs> Um, going back to your thing, I think the first thing we need to establish, these are just my opinions, everybody. So just understand that it's just what I'm here to share with you today. So take whatever you like, throw the rest out because I'm working it out as I go along for myself. Okay. I'm a 47 year old man that, um, has been brought up in a, in an environment that is very different from anybody else. We're all unique, we're all special, we're all just so different from each other. But at the core of us is, you know, this, I honestly believe we're beings of unconditional love. That's our, that's our default setting. Now, how do we get back to that setting? Uh, some of us are already there, but how do we all get back to that, that, that default setting? in such a strange world where there seems to be so much disconnection. And when you said, how do we navigate this with our family and with our friends and what are we meant to do with sharing our truth? I think the first thing we need to do is not compare ourselves to anybody else. So nobody, uh, what I was going to get before, don't compare yourselves to Pete Evans, don't compare yourselves to Matt Belair, don't compare yourselves to your brother or your sister or your parents or your best mates or somebody on television or whatever it may be because we're all unique. Where we fall into trouble, I believe, is when we try to emulate and be like somebody else. Because the moment we try to be like somebody else, it's taking us away from who we are, which is our own unique individual wondrousness. <laughs> wondrousness? I'm going to make that word up. Um, and I see this a lot. I see it a lot. Because, as I said, I have had the, the life experiences for me to express myself as I'm doing now. And if that means getting kicked off Facebook, so be it. That's okay. If it means getting attacked, if you want to use the word attack, I don't see, I don't use the word as attack. I, I see it as exposure. If you want to see how mainstream media exposes themselves by attacking or ridiculing somebody like myself, and from my perception, I applaud it every time. I'm like, there you go, expose yourself once again. Oh, you, you, you're exposing yourself again? Fantastic. Keep going, keep going. And usually I write that when I reshare their stories. I'm like, is that all you've got? Keep going keep going, keep going. You've got more in you. You can delve to another level. I know you've got it in you because that is the frequency and the energy of mainstream media. It's about sharing lies. It's about sensationalism. It's about falsehoods. It's about misinformation. It's about division. And if you're going to play this game, I'm happy to play it with you, but, you know, let's get dirty. Let's really show what you're made of because I know what I'm made of and, and I will give it back to you. For instance, they did one today, for instance, and I'll just bring this up very quickly. It's, it's quite, because it's quite funny. And I, I haven't shared this, but um, oh, it was in our top newspaper today. 
From Pete Evans and Alan DeGeneres to Meghan Markle, these were 2020's biggest PR fails, and they've got my face there. And then it goes through and lists all the (laughs) Ellen DeGeneres or whoever. But what I find interesting about that is they're calling it a biggest PR fail. Now, they've written about me most days in mainstream media that gets seen by millions of people in this country. So how is that a PR fail? If you really want to call it PR, they're talking about me every single day, pretty much at the moment in Australia all all year. Millions and millions and millions of people. If they didn't want to elevate or make aware of somebody like myself that is sharing this information, they would completely ignore it. They would completely ignore it. Because what they're actually doing and I know this over the last 10 years of me sharing information, starting with dietary advice, is the, most, the, the majority of people that ended up following me would say, I kept reading stuff about you in the newspapers and it just didn't add up. It just didn't make sense. But originally I believed it, what they were writing. And then after the fifth or the 10th thing, I was like, something's wrong here. Something smells wrong. Let's actually go investigate what Pete Evans is actually sharing. And lo and behold, they're like, got it. They adopted the diet or parts of the philosophy. They got themselves healthier. They started a ripple effect in their own group, their own family, which is what we're talking about here, their own circle of friends. They were living, leading by example. Now, their family and friends may take a while to cotton on to it because their family and friends might go, you're following Pete Evans's dietary approach. And just so everybody knows, it's, I didn't create it. I, <laughs> I've uh, interviewed hundreds and hundreds of doctors to collate the information, which is what we share through a ketogenic paleo whole foods diet. But little by little, these people end up being the light in their family or for their friends. And while people are going through their own inner turmoil, their own awareness of their negative belief patterns, yet their brother who's taken charge of their long-term sustainable health is shining, is smiling, is standing up, is sharing stuff about this bullshit virus. You're going, how come they're so healthy and happy and doing what they're doing? Yet I feel scared. I feel weak. I'm afraid about how long I'm going to be alive for. I don't know how to look after myself if shit actually went down, if the power got turned off, if food shortages happened. What am I going to do? There was an article today in in one of our mainstream papers and they were trying to push fear. And just off the top of my head, the headline I think was, Sydney man only eats two times a day now because of loss of income. I usually eat one time a day and I don't want to compare myself to somebody that's, that's battling um, loss of income because that's not what this is about. But the fear around not being able to eat more than twice a day in a mainstream Australian newspaper, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. What is the human body capable of? How long can we go without food for? How much do we actually need? 
I seem to thrive off one to two meals, maybe one and a half meals per day over the last 10 years. What would happen if everybody in this country actually adopted this diet because they don't have enough money and they only had to eat one to two meals a day? What would happen if everybody started to eat the way that we've been promoting over the last 10 years in our cookbooks and other people around the world have been promoting? And just to give everybody an understanding, over the last five years, uh, I've become the number one selling author in this country of Australia for food books or cookbooks and health and lifestyle. And subsequently, I was just dumped by my publisher a month ago because they believed I was a neo-Nazi and a racist because the media told them so. And that was after selling a million books for them. And But let's go back to this. If everybody adopted, say, long-term sustainable health principles off the diet that we promote, do you know what would happen in this country alone? The supermarkets would change. 80%, 90% of what is stored in supermarkets is, as, as you mentioned earlier on, it's not food. It's killing people. So imagine if that supermarket changed. So it only looked like a Whole Foods, basically. Sorry, my wife's getting over the car. It's okay. And then what happens from there? So the supermarkets change. The agricultural system would change. It could take six months, a year, two years, three years to adapt to people wanting to eat like this. Hey, Shakoba, just mama, come here. She's beautiful, little poodle. So the agricultural systems would change. They just would. They go to holistic farming practices. They would change from a glyphosate based protocol to holistic farming management. Just think about that one thing that would change. If that changed in this country and your country, what would happen? Now, the next layer of this is what would happen if everybody that wanted the long-term sustainable health turned off mainstream media? All channels, TV, radio, internet, wherever else it comes from, newspapers. Imagine what would happen then. Everybody just switched it off because they're committed to long-term sustainable health and they know that what's coming out of those channels is propaganda and lies, mainly. Those industries rely on money. They rely on viewership. They rely on ratings. They will crumble. They will disappear. And new ones will emerge, such as what you're doing right now. New news channels that report fact and truth and had interviews they would emerge and they would become popular. The next stage of this is if everybody adopted this way of eating, we know that lifestyle choices, and when people say lifestyle choices, when, if, when doctors say, if we change our lifestyle, 80% of chronic illness would disappear. Now, the modern medical system is created around chronic illness. So could you imagine the medical system, all of a sudden, 80% of their industry disappears because of that one lifestyle change. Now, when people think lifestyle, the mainstream media have brainwashed people to thinking that you have to run a marathon or be a triathlete, which is nothing wrong with that. But 90% of lifestyle changes is based around our food choices. So what would happen 
to the medical industry if 80% of it just disappeared over the next 12 months because people weren't going. The next stage of this is the pharmaceutical industry. Most pharmaceuticals are for those 80% of chronic illnesses. So what would happen to the pharmaceutical industry within a year? And we are living proof. Many years ago, we created a 10-week program called the Paleo Way. And I had 100,000 Australians do that. And over the course of five years, the 100,000 people that did it, guess how many people said they got sicker? This is social media, the day of social media. Zero. Wow. Not one person that adopted what we shared said they got worse. But in fact, I shared over many years, I shared, I got up to 3,000 stories and then I stopped sharing it because it was just pointless. Every miraculous story no longer became miraculous. Type 2 diabetes reversed, autoimmune disease put into remission, uh, autism, the, the behaviours improved, cancer, heart disease, fucking everything. I was sharing a story after story after story, day after day after day. So could you imagine what happens to the pharmaceutical industry if people adopted this? Next point. Imagine what happens to the government. Think about it. Who lobbies the government? Think about the universities. Think about what we taught at schools. This isn't taught at schools. Physical, emotional, spiritual, long-term sustainable health is not taught, taught either in our schools or universities. So think about how that would change. Think about the next generation that brought up, was brought up in families and an environment where they're aware of where their food comes from. They're aware of what happens when they take each bite of that food. They understand their microbiome. They understand the environment in which their food comes from, whether it's local, seasonal, how it's grown biodynamically in relation to the, the moon cycles. Could you imagine if every child was taught how to use their breath or taught how to meditate? I shouldn't say or, I should say and. Taught functional movement, taught yoga, taught these ancient and very powerful therapies. Maybe they're not even therapies, they're just ways of life. Maybe if they were taught in their schooling system to ask questions that actually mean something instead of rote learning. I see this future and I don't think it's too far away. I see it happening around us in, in certain pockets, whether it's in the US, Canada, Australia, different parts of the world. There are people that live this way and they're raising their children this way. And they created communities that, that emphasize this. So I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a um, it's an impossible future for humanity. But going back to where we started about comparison, now there's people out there like yourself and myself and what I would call sort of the warriors out there, the truth warriors that like to plant the seeds for people that have done the ceremonial work that have walked quite a path throughout their existence where they know 
what they can take and what they can't take. You know, through certain plant medicine and toad medicine journeys, I've gone through my own death process. I've faced that. I've gone through that. So the media having an attack, as, as you mentioned before, is like I find it comical. I find it beautiful. I find it wondrous. Because it's like, okay, they're living in that vibration. There's a lot more growth for that industry if they choose to. And I've said this in the industry that I've been working in, and I've been in mainstream, I had been in mainstream for the last two decades as well, working on there. I hosted Australia's number one TV show, commercial TV show for 10, 11 years. And during that time, I had many conversations with the network CEOs or heads of the network. It would be like sitting down with the head of ABC, for instance, or NBC. I'd sit down with these people and say, you have an opportunity here. You can actually help people of this country with getting information out there. It's really, really simple. It's a choice. No one's saying that a TV network has to do this. And I've said it to journalists that have come to interview me. I said, I'm happy to do an interview with you if you're going to ask me about the science behind the dietary advice. But I would strongly recommend that you interview this doctor and this doctor and this doctor who I've interviewed that shared this information for me because they've got the scientific credentials or the university credentials to explain it to you. Over those two decades, guess what? Or last decade, not, not one journalist has, picked, has said, oh, yeah, we'd love to interview that doctor. Instead, they go, no, no, we'll just interview you. TV executives. What about we create a show that shows people some of these long-term sustainable health benefits? Um, we're not in the industry to do that. Our industry is to... Oh, one quote I had was, the TV industry is set up so that people that are dissatisfied with their lives can watch people on their screen that are much worse off than they are. So those people that are dissatisfied with their lives can feel better about their lives. That's our industry. I said, yeah, that's what you think your industry is. But could you imagine if you set the stage for something new? Could you imagine what that could be? It's happening. It just depends how quickly we can do it for the, for the population, so to speak. So, so going back to the comparison between your friends and family, we're all on our individual journeys through life. So people like to say, wake up to other people. It's like, well, when did you wake up? Was it this year? Was it last year? Was it 10 years ago? How did you get to that stage? Some people, it's going to take them another 10 years. For some, they might need to get injected or their children injected and for that child to suffer of the consequences of that parent's decision. And then they might go, hmm, fuck. Maybe that's my wake-up call. Maybe humanity is going through a situation at the moment where 
Well, I'll give you an example. When I mentioned those that 100,000 people that had changed their diets, the majority of them that I shared stories from, they didn't change their diet until they were in pain and they'd exhausted every other opportunity or avenue that was there to them. And their last hope was taking some bread out of their diet. <laughs> like, if i got to take the bread out and the pasta out, fuck it, I'll do it. Fuck, I really don't want to do it. I'd rather someone just come along and just cut me open, pull something out, stitch something up, give me some drugs and let me get back to doing what I've been doing for the last 40 years. Because that's normal. But if I have to give up bread or dairy or grains, fuck, I don't know whether I could do it. Just cut me open. Fuck, just get it done with so I don't have to do anything. But the people that actually said, you know what, fuck it, I'll, I, I'll give this a shot, you know, and, and looking back at it and thinking about it, it's like, how have we become so not in control of our own actions that we give our power away to other people? So that ended up changing their lives were the ones that took control but they usually hit the point of rock bottom for them. So looking at humanity at the moment with this virus and with vaccinations coming along, again, where people, humanity is handing over power to something they have no understanding about, crossing their fingers and hoping for the best that somebody else will look after them. And perhaps this will be the point where they hit rock bottom. Maybe it'll take the second shot. Maybe it'll be when a virus is reintroduced after that second shot. And then another lie is spat out through mainstream media. And another one and another one. And then people like yourself and myself will still be standing here smiling and getting on with life and not having anything injected into us. Maybe we'll be called crazy. Maybe we'll be called the ones that uh, aren't taking one for the team. I did want to share something with you on this thought because it just popped into my head and I saw it today from a friend of mine, uh, Brian from Food Lies. And he did a post. He said, when are we going to protect the vulnerable from the modern diet and lifestyle? And he went on to write, it's becoming a cruel and sad joke that no US public health officials have mentioned diet and lifestyle changes over the entire year of 2020. Same here in Australia. Most people in the country will be exposed to the virus at some point, and the science points to the best chance you have is if you're metabolically healthy, long-term sustainable health. The elderly are at more at risk because they have more comorbidities and are less metabolically healthy. So where's all the campaigns to help people do something they have the greatest control over? change their diet and lifestyle. They could have, oh, I better not read that bit, it'll piss some people off. But um, there's the photo. I mean, it's so simple. And ever since the start of this virus, I've been calling it out. Why is no one health expert from the government talking about 
the immune system. Why are they not talking about pesticides in the food and how that lowers your immune system? Why are they not talking about eating locally, eating seasonally, eating organic? Why are they not talking about an anti-inflammatory diet or foods that contain vitamin C, selenium, zinc, vitamin A, vitamin K2? Why are they not talking about getting exposure to the sunlight, vitamin D? Why are they not talking about good amounts of protein and, and good sources of, of fat? When you start to ask these questions and there's no answers, well, there are answers, then things start to make a lot of sense. I asked the same thing yesterday on a post. I think in, a, in Australia, for instance, they tested over half a million people last week in Sydney because Sydney's going through a virus pandemic or outbreak because two people had it. And uh, the Premier yesterday said they've, she's banning kissing on New Year's Eve and people will be arrested if they're seen kissing. Like the, the asylum is run by the inmates at the moment. And I asked the question, I said, how much does a test cost for the government to purchase? Who is paying for it? Who is getting rich from it? Same thing with the vaccine. They're going to roll it out for free. So is the pharmaceutical companies, the vaccine manufacturers, producing for free for their goodwill and just giving it out to the governments of the world? No, because the governments have purchased or invested. And I, I, I find the word invest very interesting. Our government has invested in COVID vaccines. So they've already ordered, I think, couple of million doses or 10 million doses for Australia. So who pays for that? Where does that money go to? And is this ongoing? Is it two shots a year? What happens next year when the new strain comes out 2021, COVID-21? And if we're not asking these questions, and I said it in my post just says that why aren't, why is not one journalist asking this question? Follow the money. I went off on a tangent, didn't I? <laughs> it was a great tangent, man. I'd sit there all day. Well, you know, you brought up uh, so many great points. And I liked how you kind of kept unraveling how powerful it would be if we changed food alone. And that's definitely your expertise, although you have a very um, diverse knowledge skill set, which is a weird way of saying it. Um but I like uh, when you're talking about you in the media, I was just reminded by, about uh, P.T. Barnum, you know, that marketer. He used to uh, write, um, he would basically talk shit about himself and send it in to the papers. And so he's like, any exposure was good exposure. So he's meant to be like one of the greatest marketers of all time. He'd go to towns if no one's talking about him. He'd just write a slander piece on himself and, and send it in. So it's a powerful way to uh, think about it and you're 100% correct in all of that, and especially with the uh, the function of of news and media and, and what it's actually for. That's you know I think um, for some of the people I speak to are a little bit more open minded and they're aware. I'm like 
And they're like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I was like, well, you need to understand that the function of the news is not to tell you the truth. It is to tell you what they're doing and to use it as a tool for propaganda and brainwash. It is not there to tell you the truth. Um, like that's its function. You need to understand that. And so I think a lot of um, what you're doing is, is really amazing because you're adapting and evolving to what's going on. Um, you're, you're facing it. And I think that when I am looking at all the craziness going on, there's not so many people who are um, addressing it and then adapting it. You know, I'm like, okay, how are we going to find solutions, right? If you look at food, um, you know, you've learned all the negative things about food and you're like, okay, well now what's the solution? Let's promote the solution. And it's really amazing what those people um, went through those transformations in health, right? It, it basically, Every almost every illness, not all of them, but I would say I would say ninety percent of illness could probably be solved by food. There's one guy, forget his name. Let food be thy medicine. You know what I'm talking about? You must know. Uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent, but um, I I do want to make this clear for everybody because I when we created the film, the magic pill and the magic plant, which was on cannabis. So the first one, the magic pill, was about food. It's a documentary and. Uh, second one was on cannabis called The Magic Plant. But both of those, I, I wanted to make it really, really clear that you can eat all the organic food in the world and follow our principles and you can still suffer disease. If you're going to a job that you dislike every single day, that could be hurting people or just not fulfilling for your purpose. You know, you can suffer disease. You might have anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. It could manifest. If you have an unresolved relationship for a family member or a loved one or guilt or shame or whatever, anger, whatever, it can still turn into disease in our bodies. That's the definition of disease. It's not being in, in balance or homeostasis. You know, and I know a lot of people when I started on, on the cannabis journey, for instance, everybody was saying it's the magic plant. I'm like, mm, possibly. It's a pretty magical plant. But if you're still going to eat shit and, and you've got cancer and you think that just by taking CBD or THC or whatever, uh, terpenes or whatever is in there, cannabinoids, you're sort of missing the point. <laughs> you know, cancer is a way of alerting your body that you're out of alignment physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and possibly environmentally. Which combination of those do you need to bring back into alignment? Or which one do you need to bring back into alignment? It's a, so again, food is very important. Plant medicines can be vital tools as well for physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. But just to focus on one without looking at the other elements. You know, for me, I'm, I've been a surfer for 30, 40 years now, but I... I just got back from a yoga class with my wife today because I know there's a part of me that needs to have more flexibility. I need to, I was in the class today with 20 other people and, you know, not to compare myself, but I will. I was the least flexible in there. You know, I, I was the guy that fucking can't touch his toes and everybody else's <laughs> touch of the toes. I'm like, okay, this is a humbling experience for me, but this is exactly why I'm here. I have to, I have to be okay with being the worst at something, and but I've got so much growth, you know, and I'm, I'm in that stretch today and, and the teacher was holding it for 
I felt like for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> and I was grateful for it at the time. I, I really don't like this, but I'm, I, I get why he's doing this because I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. But in that moment when I was like, I have so much more growth in this, I was like, I got excited. I was like, yeah, so much more growth, so much more growth. I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And I finished the class and I thanked him and came home and I'm like, that was a, that was a good, good way to start the day today. So, and I know that I'm going to unravel things about why I'm not flexible so far in that, that is going to give me greater awareness about who I am. I will probably release some disease in my body through this practice or other practices, movement practices, because I've shunned away from it for so long, <laughs> right? So there's, there's a whole world waiting for me inside of myself and around myself through these practice, practices. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just want to make it clear that food is important, movement is important, breath is important, sleep is important. And uh, all of these other things that so we know, we, we, we intuitively know where we're out of balance or, or misalignment. We know. We don't need anybody to tell us. Although there will be signs all the time <laughs> telling us where, where our imbalances are. And I, I like to use the term, uh, our imperfections are perfect because they allow us to explore deeper into ourselves, you know, and, and that's the ongoing pursuit here that we're, that we're all moving towards is knowing more about ourselves each and every day. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, and I think that's, that's what's going to unfold over the coming years is media will either implode or they will be charged for <laughs> lying and corruption because we know who's pulling the strings and the agricultural systems will have to change because they can't sustain themselves. The medical system will have to change. I mean, I, I do believe that they've pushed this out too quickly, what's going on at the moment. And I think this will be their downfall and how it'll be their downfall will be, will be seen. Will it cause humanity to, to get to that rock bottom place where everybody is sick or dying? or have autoimmune disease, or become infertile or sterile, where it'll be virtually impossible to, to, for humanity to move forward. And then there'll be a shift. Just like everything, things will come back, things will be in balance or come back into balance. So I, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, even though it can seem a little bit, <laughs> a little grey outside sometimes, but... Yeah, I'm quite excited about what's happening and everybody has the, um, the choice to live their lives as they choose to. And that's, that's what I, be, I, I get excited about is, as I said before, if you wanted to eat this way that we're talking about, it's actually cheaper. Studies have been done. It's cheaper to eat the way that we're talking about, organic pasteurized meats, wild-caught seafood. You just may need to change your mindset to appreciate offal to love liver, to appreciate sardines that are strong-tasting fish that are sustainable, you know. We've sort of been brainwashed and conditioned in Western society to despise the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet for us. 
And I don't think it's by accident. And I think a lot of it has come through programming. And if you look through uh, tribal cultures all around the world, they were eating the best parts of the animal or the harvest, generally the animal, which was the fat and the organs or the oysters or the shellfish. And when you go into a supermarket these days, it's pretty difficult to find the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet for human beings, in my opinion, and many others' opinion. You have to sort of go searching for it. But we were fortunate enough last week, we've, we've raised eight cattle with our uh, neighbours that live next to us, and, and we witnessed our first cattle being killed. And it was a beautiful experience. Uh, last year, my wife and I raised two pigs, and she really raised them, and she was there for the for the for the uh, dispatching of those pigs. I was away working, so I was a little bit upset that I couldn't be there for that experience. But last week, I was uh, fortunate enough to witness the first cow being killed, and. I just, just before we hopped on this, I, I, I had a meal from it. <laughs> I cooked up some beautiful uh, mincemeat or, or ground beef, as you would call it, and uh, popped an organic egg in the middle, fried it like a toad in the hole, but it was just meat and egg and topped it with uh, mustard mayo, some gherkins and some nasturtium from the garden. And it was delu- delicious. But I'll go back to that, that, uh, the killing of the cow last week. So my neighbour has three young sons and they're all about under the age of five or six three boys, and his wife was there. And I went over, it was sunrise, the mobile butcher came over in his, uh, he's got a cool room on the back of his back of his truck. And the eight cows were eating some hay. And my neighbour and the butcher had put, picked out the one that they were going to kill, which was a two-year-old uh, male. And beautiful, it was the most beautiful of all the cows too. It had to be, of course, for me to witness it. Beautiful, just a beautiful looking animal. And the butcher pulled out his rifle and took him about a minute to line up because all the cows were together. And every time he was about to do the shot, a cow put its, its head in the way of it and because uh, they were eating. And one shot was done between the eyes and the cow went down and another shot straight away within five seconds into the brain. And then throat was sliced and blood came out. And all that happened was the, the other seven cows sort of jumped when they heard the, the shot and moved away about five or 10 metres because of the startle of the noise. But after about 10 minutes, all the cows came back and started eating the hay again around the dead cow that was bleeding out. And I had a tear in my eye, I was crying. And my neighbour told me that the night before he sat with the cow, spent half an hour with the cow and basically communed with it, saying thank you for what you're about to go through. You're about to sustain two families with meat for potentially six months to a year. And it's been an honour to raise you and to get to know you. And he went on and on and on. And... Then we watched the butcher skin it, take out its, its innards, and then hang it up and butcher it. And I have to say it was, um, it was one of the most 
beautiful experiences to witness because there was no fear in any of the cows. And I posted it the next day. I posted this beautiful photo of this cow hanging up two halves of it. And so many people, there were a few people that mentioned how horrible that was to do that to an animal. That the animals would have been panicking and they would have been in fear and they would have uh, known what was about to happen. And I can tell you my hand on my heart, 100%, there was no fear in any of those animals. There was peace and serenity. There was one shot and the animal was dead within a second. And compare that to a traditional feedlot system or abattoir and nothing went to waste the hide the the mum of the of uh, the the wife she took the hide and she salted it because she's going to turn it into a um, a floor rug and all the offal we've got and this will sustain us for the next 6 months And think about that. There was one life, one large animal, one life, that the only input it had was the grass on our property. So all, all it took was water and grass. And now that will be our main food. I mean, the two pigs we raised last year, we haven't stopped eating pig nearly for the last eight months <laughs> since <laughs> we've got a lot more still to go. So we're not purchasing meat or anything from the supermarkets and we grow our own food. So that is, and it, we won't even get into the environmental aspects of how important it is to raise livestock on property because it is vitally important. You can watch our documentary, The Magic Pill, to understand that or the need to grow and look at the work by Alan Savory or Joel Salatin to, to delve deeper into this. But it was one of the most, as I said, beautiful experiences and my dog that's sitting right next to me here and um, she had her ground meat from that cow this morning. And it's a beautiful experience to, to know where your food comes from and to have played a part in that and to actually witness the circle of life in that experience. So... I don't know why I got onto that topic, but I felt like it was something worth sharing just then. Wow. Well, you know, the entire idea around the ethics of animals is very deep and fascinating in itself. And, you know, I was vegetarian for a few years um, because of the, the, just the ethics. Cause I learned about factory farming and how awful that was. And, and I don't want to harm an animal. Um, and it was interesting because I kind of went back to meet after, I think it was like two and a half years after kind of hanging out with the Native American elders, uh, a Zuni elder and a Mi'kmaq elder. And just the way that they understood it and think about it is more similar to how you're describing it. Like know where your food come from, uh, honor your food, uh, don't waste anything. And, and we're so far removed from what we're eating and understanding, you know what I mean? You go and you're like, Oh, I'm going to get a steak and you just, you can, it's nice and wrapped, you know, you're going to go get food and it's in this can. And if you, we have no idea where it comes from or, or what it's going, what it's going through and not even to get into the crap that they're putting in cows and the crap they're putting in 
all the stuff that we're eating when we might think it's healthy and it might, might not be. So I just love the idea of knowing where your food comes from, knowing what you need to be healthy and being um, respectful for everything that you take. You know, I think that we're in this society that just is in overindulgence. And I am always reminded, have you seen a uh, Wally before with your kids? I have seen Wally. It's a yeah, great you know, film. So, <laughs> so everybody's in the chair and they've got their large coat and they get rolled off into the bed, you know, all of this comfort and this um, disassociation from the process of, of how things are done and made, you know, especially in food. And that would be such a fundamental thing to control or take, um, take our back, our power back and understanding with, and as well as the mainstream media, if we can shift those two huge systems, we can transform as a planet. And the only other thing I wanted to kind of touch on, which I think was important is the, the necessity to experience pain, uh, to change. And it's interesting when you, I was talking about the food, the important thing. Um, and you said, well, it's holistic as well, which is true. I've had many guests on my show who have healed themselves of cancer and other terminal illnesses. And I've spoken to a lot of people who've also done that. And everybody said the same thing, clean food, clean water, and de-stress, essentially, those were the ingredients. And it's mental, emotional, spiritual health and well-being. So there's no way that they could do two of the three. They had to figure out these things in their life, mostly mental and emotional and spiritual. Then the other things kind of fell into place. You know what I mean? And so it is this holistic uh, system. And we are, you know, holistic beings. And if you think of yourself as like, I don't know, a house or something, you might have the heat working, but you know, maybe your, your, I don't know, water's all messed up. We know kind of what it is. And so if we can even get to the place where we're not hurting, right, that's just sending a signal, something's wrong. So if you're overweight and you go get liposuction, that's not really a solution, right? And that's kind of what we're doing a lot of the time is the liposuction version rather than getting honest with ourselves and making the changes that we need. So, uh, I just, yeah, I agree with everything that, uh, you know, you're sharing, but do you want to, you wanted to jump in there? So go ahead. Yeah. I read something today. I think it was from the world health organization, Ted Ross fella. I, oh, that good, that good, that humanitarian Tedros. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently I read, I read something today from him saying that uh, the next thing that they're going to be tackling his words was animals and from my understanding, what he means by animals is stopping us eating them hmm. because apparently they're destroying the climate, which is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard, and uh, climate change to, to go into that as well. So I think the, the COVID thing was just is a precursor to the next part of this insanity, which is going to be food. And it's going to happen. I believe it will happen rapidly, what they're going to push um, in relation to food, whether it be food shortages or, or condemning people for eating or growing healthy food, um, all in, under the guise of climate yet. So I think um, this would be an important topic for people to read up on to understand. And again, I would refer people to the work of Alan Savory from the Savory Institute, as well as Joel Salatin. I mean, there's just two really good, uh, valuable resources so that you can be informed and educated upon 
what is about to unfold so that you can be, again, lead by example for your family and friends to be able to share the right information or differing information that what is going to be fed through the mainstream agenda because we know the players that are heavily invested in fake meats. They're the same people that are heavily invested in the vaccines that are heavily invested in the mainstream media narrative to brainwash people. So get informed. Think about it critically. Use common sense. Think about how this earth has existed for billions of years and millions of years and hundreds of thousands of years with grazing herds of wild animals and how best we can mimic that again in our modern day age. And the, the thought that cows farting is affecting <laughs> the climate is, is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, apart from injecting ourselves for, for a virus that they can't isolate with a vaccine that isn't safe, that doesn't prevent the virus anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, it's interesting because if you do some research and although it might be challenging at first to find good information, um, a lot of people say to me, you know, well, like, how do you know what the truth is? And I, I say it's like it's a discovery of truth. Like it takes a bit of time. But after you kind of go through that initial research and confusion, then it becomes very clear uh, what is the truth? Because all these other people from different fields are coming to the exact same conclusions. You know, there's a guy recently that I came across named uh, Martin Armstrong. He's an economist. And apparently he's one of these, the world's super brilliant economist, uh, a client of mine who's very, very successful. Um, turned me on to his stuff. And she goes, I just paid for his seminar. And basically the first uh, words out of his mouth were, uh, we're at a war with Satanists or something like that. He's like, holy crap. And like this guy never um, go down that rabbit hole, but it doesn't matter what your field of expertise is. If you look at the world and you say, why is this happening? You start to peel back the layers and then, oh, okay, this makes sense. And so that's the same thing with climate change, where if you question it, um, you know, it's, it's ridiculed right away. Um, but maybe climate change could be happening and you could use it for nefarious ends. Like, should we be more responsible with farming and the way that we um, navigate the world and what we do as a society? 100%. Um, and maybe even the climate change thing is a totally legit and, and we're skyrocketing and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean you add all these nefarious things too, right? You don't, you, you don't piggyback on that and include that. You have to be able to separate those two. You know, you don't stick it like glue. One, one means the other. And so... Um, it's just important to understand because if we know what is dangerous, like that, for instance, like the vaccines, just like if you look into it, um, use, use your own critical thinking. If you think it's super safe, right. And, and you love it, then go for it. But if you really look into it, to me, it seems pretty dangerous. You know, Robert Kennedy Jr. has done a lot of work on this. And I didn't even look into anything along these lines until the coronavirus happened because I was very um, curious about it. So if we can understand, and just like food, right? Like I just learned about the pesticides all over raspberries. Like, damn it. Then I can go get, that's <laughs> like, not even now, raspberries getting me? Like, holy crap, what else is dangerous in this friggin' environment? I'm feeding them to my 14th month old daughter. You know, I was like, now I got to make a different choice now. 
right? So then I can make a different choice with that that knowledge and understanding. So I think that's why this is very important because these are these are society. This is uh, engineering society on a mass level, and for us to stay informed to make good choices for our friends and our family is going to be what provides a, a, an alternative and a solution. Because I think all the people who, once they figure out the negative aspects of whatever it may be, food, modern medicine, whatever the case is, they're going to like, okay, what's the solution? And if you go through the mental, emotional, and spiritual transformation, you need a lot less. You know what I mean? You're not out about getting stuff. Um, you're more about cooperating. What do you need to thrive and what's most important to you? And those types of people are going to be looking for the same solutions and we can work together like you. And it's like, you know, two families, right? They're coming eye to eye and having the same values. Like, okay, this is something that we believe in. And, and as other people see the results and they see the health and they see the smiles and they see the vitality, it's something that they can then embrace as well. And so that's what gives me hope in this, because when I look at the large scale engineering of the planet, it's super concerning. I was like, holy crap. And maybe it's what's necessary for a transformation because the way that the world was a year ago and three years ago and 10 years ago was not good, right? We were just, we had blinders on and we didn't want to look at anything. And now it's got worse and worse and worse. So now it's like, you almost can't look away, but people are still trying to look away. It's crazy to me. So it's like, this is, you know, it's just madness. So hopefully this is this opportunity for us to have an upgrade as a civilization. I think if if we had to explain to an intelligent, benevolent race of ETs why this is happening, it would be like a disgrace. You know what I mean? You'd just be apologizing for like, I don't know, that uncle or something that's like super inappropriate or whatever. You know what I mean? He's like part of your family. You got to introduce us. Like the whole human race is like, well, why do you do this evil thing? Why, why, are, why are like 9 million of your citizens um, dying each year? Why don't you figure out how to give them food? And I was like, well, there's some evil people over here and I'm trying, but we don't want to cooperate and we're really busy with work. And I don't know, like, will you help us? Like, this is, we need help. And so we need to, we need to grow up as a civilization. And I think that that's what we're in right now. We're, we're in this opportunity to grow up as individuals um, and then also as a civilization. And so that's just my two cents. And curious what you think of that rant. Yeah, I, I agree. We, we do have the solutions. I offered one before, you know, as in that's if we all did it, and that's what those ETs would say, well, why aren't you standing up? Why aren't you creating a new system? And that's what we're doing. How to get everybody else to do it? Everybody has free, free will and free choice. So you and I and whoever can live the life that we choose to, if we choose to. You can go off grid. We can. We're creative. We can have our self-expression. Hopefully, it's in alignment with a way that, you know, for a job or you for a purpose can sustain you and maintain maintain your life. But we do have all the solutions available to us. I believe. Um, it's a tricky one because you. You can't force anybody to do, to live this way. But I think by leading by example, as, as we mentioned before, smiling, standing up, showing that nothing could happen. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I continue to do what I do in the face of 
say, media scrutiny, which is nothing for me, but for other people, as you mentioned, some people would be crying because of being ridiculed. But for me to stand there in the face of that and then just keep moving forward and moving forward and moving forward and moving forward, it gives people that it, it might go, hmm, okay, so if, if I stand up and share my truth and my friends or family say some silly things about me, will it really hurt me or is, it, is this really about them? Okay, because if I don't share my truth, I might suffer disease. If I don't live the way that I want to live my life, then I will potentially suffer disease. It might have manifest today, but five years later, 20 years later, I might have that joint pain. What does joint pain mean? Joint pain. Where's that Louise Hay book? I remember somebody saying that our body is our barometer of our soul. Maybe there's something in joint pain I need to look up. Ah, joint pain means when we're not being flexible or whatever it may be, you know. Got a thyroid issue, which is in my throat. Throat might be not expressing myself through communication properly. Why have I got this thyroid issue and why does my mum have thyroid issue? Did she express herself or did she, was she in a relationship where she couldn't express herself freely? What have I got at the moment in my life where I'm not expressing myself freely? Why is it, why have I got a disease here in my throat? It's all about communication. Hmm. Your body will tell you always where your wake up call needs to be. Generally, it's emotionally or mentally <laughs> or spiritually. Sometimes it's physically or environmentally. So, mm. five years, 10 years, 20 years, as I've said to people, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to stand up. I can't tell you when that time is, but I think it's coming pretty soon. Stand up now, see what happens. And then, Tomorrow, take another step forward. Keep standing up. And as David Icke said, I'm not having it. <laughs> His English accent. If we all stood up, this would change tomorrow. It would change tomorrow. Stand up. Live the life that you've always dreamt of. How do I do that? Find where your imbalances are. Find where you're out of alignment. Take one step after another. As I said, you might go incrementally. Some people might leap. Every, each and every one of us knows who we are, really, how we want to show up for life and how we want to express ourselves. And we all know that what is going on in the world at the moment is complete and utter bullshit. If we turn off, if we bury our heads, if we think that somebody else is going to save us, you're in for a fucking rude surprise. Because it is up to each and every one of us to do it. This is, this is the game. This is the journey. For us to get to the next level, like in a video game. It's coming. It's here. Agreed. Well, I, I would love... I think the idea of everybody standing up is something that feels good and I'm excited about it. The possibility of it anyways, because 
it would shift everything. And one of the teachings from the uh, Native American elder again was, he's just like, all that's required is participation. And we'll, with with we us sticking our heads in the sand and, and not looking at what's going on, we're just trying to go about our days. We don't want to um, look at what's going on. And I think that this is a great opportunity to extend our compassion. Because if I think about, you know, when the COVID thing started going on, I was like, well, what about 9.1 million people starving to death? I was like, we're making the hugest deal about this thing. If you look at the numbers and the atrocity, starvation is way worse. People are starving to death in massive numbers. And we know what the solution is. So how have we had, you know, billions of dollars in the whole planet's concern about something with a very, very, very high survival rate with an average rate age of like in Canada, it's 84 and the average life expectancy is 84. And, you know, I just went through these facts with the last, the last friend that I, you know, was upset. I was like, dude, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because he's kind of been on the, on the same side and just chose to go back to sleep. But I know why I have, I have a, I have an understanding of why he did that. But I was like, the evidence shows that in Canada, it's 84. We have that now. Our average life expectancy is 84. So why this massive planetary stink for this, but we are just letting people starve to death. And so, and I was thinking the the answer. what's that? You know, the answer. I I, I said, you know, the answer, because this has got nothing to do with a virus. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm writing about this and what I thought was, you know, when I was younger, why does nobody care about this? And it still confuses me. Why does nobody care about starvation? Why does nobody care about human trafficking Two massive real pandemics that are, that need to be stopped immediately? And so I thought about extending our compassion. People are just trying to go about their day and they, they don't want to concern themselves with other planetary citizens. And I think that if we're able to do that, to not be weighed down by um, needing to fix everything, but to be aware and to be open to the conversations around solutions, to not just, you know, um, tuck it in a corner to just get by, you know, I just got to get by and do my thing and take care of my family. And, and, you know, this is the only, only thing I'm going to do. So if as a humanity, we can say, how do we figure out a way of living where all of our citizens are taken care of food, water, shelter, and um, an opportunity for growth. I think that this is going to give us a catalyst for seeing our world in a new way, because they, you know, the evil people, they got to, they, the reason why so many people have been so accurate and now I can't prove it because I got deleted on Facebook too, but I've been accurate since the beginning because they tell you what they're going to do. You can go to their websites and then listen to their words and then they will tell you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like a, I'm doing, I'm not, I'm not going into some sort of etheric realm to figure this out. I'm going to their webpage and you can also do that. And so that's how we know that the super strain was going to come out before. Cause they had already talked about it. You know, Bill Gates has already told you, we call this pandemic one, you know, the next one will be pandemic two. Then we'll get there. That one will get their attention. Well, how are you going to get them? Was it the swabs? You know, is it going to be the vaccines for something that has 99.97 survival rate? Now you're, you know, vaccinating healthy people. Even in Canada, there's this guy, Dr. Hodgkinson, who did the testing. Um, you know, he he was providing the tests and he goes into a, a a meeting in Edmonton and says, this is baloney. Like if you're, if you're less than 80, it's a one in 300,000 chance 
or even above it was something ridiculous. You know what I mean? He's like one in 300,000. He's like, this is even of the vulnerable. I think you'd have to look it up. Doc, Dr. Hodgkinson Edmonton. Um, but they, they deleted that too. And he's in like the council meeting saying all this stuff. And so it's uh it's madness. So you can comment on that if you'd like, but what I'd like to ask and make sure that I ask you before we end up here is, you know, how do you see, you've talked about it a little bit, but if you were to give a message to an individual or humanity for solutions, um, what do you, cause you're an optimist and I'm trying to phrase this as a, as a good question. Number one, it's been the holidays and I forget how to podcast apparently. Number two, um, uh, <laughs> you have an amazing podcast. You've been doing a lot of work and I think that you're um, incredibly intelligent. So I want to ask like, and you're also an optimist because I feel like a lot of people, they get to the, I get, I personally get to, and I've seen it happen in other people like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Because we know the vaccine passports are coming. The vaccines are here, you know, what they want to roll out. Once you wait, and for the people who wake up too, you're like, oh my God, like, holy shit. You know, my mom is like, Matt, is this real? I was like, yeah. She's like, damn. You know, she's like freaking out. You know, she's getting some land. Like she is not pissing around. She's like, you've been telling me about this for 15 years. Like, how did you live like that? I was like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it was kind of hard, but like, <laughs> you know, it sucks when nobody wants to talk about it. So when you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like that's some terrifying stuff. Um, people get afraid and I think they lose faith. And one thing for me, I think about is like the energy to oppress the spiritual will or the strength or the power to oppress people is way weaker than the force to protect. So if you wanted to protect your kids from some sort of, you know, group of burglars trying to mess you up, they're going to use things like, like, it's kind of like the cat, you know, the cougar waits and he, and he tries to get you like in a sneaky fashion. But if you face him head on, and even this is true with uh, in martial arts and people who um, are, are going to do like sexual attacks, sexual predators. They want to, um, they won't, they won't do it if they see like head to head, they're, they're like these sheepy cowards. So that will to protect is so much stronger. So that at the end of the day is what kind of keeps me holding on to faith on the days where I'm like, I've been down. I, it, I keep looking at this stuff. I know what they want to do. It keeps, it keeps getting worse. Like, I don't know if a solution is coming. I hope one is coming. I'm freaking out. And so that's my rant and I'd like you to make me feel better. And then also future self, make sure I feel better. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know what that was. That was barely like a rant, not a question. It was something, but uh, yeah, do your best with that. <laughs> First off, I can't make you feel better, Matty. <laughs> Although I could cook you a good meal. <laughs> that I would, Yes, I'll take it. Just ship it over to Canada. I don't, that'll help. <laughs> uh, uh. I think we might have discussed this when you're on my podcast um, that you've been on ceremonial journeys before and when you've drank the medicine or smoked the toad or whatever it might be, it's not fun. It's not recreational. It's not, it's not going down to the pub and having a couple of beers with your mates. It's work. And it can be very, 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 very hard work in one of those ceremonial journeys. Anybody that's that's partake in that experience knows exactly what we're talking about. And anybody that hasn't, and I'm not suggesting that everybody or anybody has to do it, but let's just say that 
you will learn more about you and the world in which you inhabit than you ever have possibly in your life. I have a feeling that that is what we're going through collectively at the moment without the medicine. Well, this is the medicine journey for people and everybody is taking it. And the thing with the medicine journeys generally is you will be presented with your own fears and your immortality or own mortality. And you can try to put your head in the sand and turn away from it or run away from it or think it doesn't exist and do everything that in your power not to face it, as you just mentioned. And anybody that's been on these journeys will know once you face it, once you surrender to the bullshit, that's when true growth happens. And it can be fucking hard. So I honestly believe that we're going through this on a planetary level at the moment. For some, something's put something into the air or into the water supply. <laughs> We're all going through a shamanic ceremonial spiritual journey at the moment. And unfortunately for many, I think they're going to find it very, 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 very tough because I don't think we're even started this journey, to be honest with you. I think that this last year has been like, oh, I think something's happening. Something feels a bit strange. You know, before you've taken the medicine and whatever medicine it could be, you're like, okay, I'm feeling something's a bit out of sorts now. And I would say buckle up because shit's about to get really real. And the only way through it is to face it, face your fears, express yourself creatively, powerfully, whatever that may be. You know, some people will become more creative. They'll share music. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine's got a daughter that just has a, a huge record deal that just came through. And he said to me the other, two weeks ago, he goes, oh, I'm so pissed off that she can't travel around the world. I said, what about if she looked at it or you looked at it, that this is a great opportunity? I mean, who's writing about this at the moment and, and putting creative energy behind this? There's some filmmakers doing it and documentarians that are creating powerful pieces to help people wake up, to plant the seeds, to share their truth. I said, what musicians doing this at the moment? I said, I see this as a wonderful opportunity for somebody to write about what's happening. The content is there. Fuck, it's just everywhere. <laughs> you could write about anything that's going on at the moment. It's rich. It's ripe. It's there. People are yearning for something to get behind. Could you imagine an anthem that went out at the moment about this bullshit? I've heard a couple of things from protests in London, you know, stick it up your ass or, you know, it's some really crass sort of things that have gone viral. I've said it to journalists this year as well that have interviewed me. Even 60 Minutes did a story and I was one of their, one of their subjects talking about conspiracies. 
And I said it to many journalists. I said, this is a career-defining moment for one of you. Like I said about the networks before. So we each have our own creative outlet, art, music, film, education, volunteering, politics, standing up, holding space, community work. I know what mine is. I'm a, my strength is a bridge between mainstream and alternative or mainstream and natural. I like to play in that, that middle ground because I've got both sides and I can use the media and manipulate the media to get, plant the seeds to a larger audience. That's my, one of my strengths. And I don't know what my weaknesses are. I'm working on my weaknesses. But for everybody else, you know what your strengths are. If you're creative, use this time to the best of your ability to get to wake people up if you need to, whether it's your friends, your family, your, your community. If you have a larger stage, use podcasts, whatever it may be. So the solutions are at hand. And, and again, we're going through this journey. Face it head on with gratitude, with compassion for yourself. And go, okay, here we go. Shit's getting real. These things that were called conspiracy theories are actually true. How deep do they go and how real are they? That's for you to work out. As you said, are there Satanists involved? Who knows? Perhaps. What would that mean? What would that mean for you to actually think that, fuck, I've been an atheist. How can I believe in Satanism? Are there people out there that actually believe in that? What does that mean? Does it mean just belief of lower vibrational frequencies that they want to perpetuate? If there's Satanists, are there then, what, I don't know. I mean, it's for you to explore. And perhaps the thing that you don't want to look at is the thing that you should be looking at. I watched something the other night about, I think it was Fall of the Cabal Part 6, the sequel. And it was about the, and pre-warning, you can find it on BitChute. But I couldn't watch part of that. It was about full-term full abortion in China. And they had video footage and, and why and how that works. And I was like, fuck, oh, that's, that's too much for me at the moment. I can't, I can't go down that path. Because for me to see that and believe it, it's like, whoa, there's a lot of bad shit that's out there. But there's a lot of good stuff too. A dear friend of mine, Ben Stewart, who was the director of The Magic Plant for me, he made a film this year called Esoteric Agenda 2. And I'd highly recommend if you get the opportunity to interview him. So Esoteric Agenda 2, he talked, it was released about four months ago, and he talked about the COVID pandemic and who was behind it and why and, and the future of technology. But he finished with about 10 or 15 minutes in the film about solutions. And he, he basically said, this is a time for creativity. This is a time for solutions and answers. As we're seeing one, as the governments crumble, as the medical... Uh, industries scrambling, throwing everything at this vaccine. We're seeing new platforms, new systems, new solutions emerging. We're watching cryptocurrency. We're watching new social media platforms. We're watching BitChute, for instance. We're watching mainstream media numbers dwindle. 
we're watching all of these podcasts start to rise up. We're seeing a transference of attention. And the people that are losing are going to throw more and more money and more and more resources to keep that control. But it's it's dwindling. We, we know where it's headed. So it's going to be a really interesting time for a lot of people because as we talked about the emotional, physical, mental, spiritual work that we have the opportunity to do, that is going to be thrust down people very, very shortly. And I do believe that there will be repercussions for this mass, mandatory or mass vaccination that's happening. We will, I believe we will see massive amounts of autoimmune disease. We will see massive amounts of problems with fertility. And we know that there's solutions for these. I'm not sure what the solutions are for genetic modification of our DNA through these mRNA vaccines. That's to be seen. But perhaps there is a solution coming that some smart person will find. I don't know. But eat well, love well, live well, <laughs> sleep well, <laughs> breathe well, <laughs> think, think well. <laughs> you know, we're, we're still capable of doing these things. And perhaps uh, you might, like your mum said, might want to get that plot of land, start that process. You might want to go in with a group of friends to get that plot of land. You know, it might be 10 of you, 20 of you, chip in. It's not a crazy idea when you see the alternative. Get a couple of cows or a few cows, veggie garden, off-grid, get a water source. Mm, that's, that's what we've, we've done. But we were doing that before the pandemic hit anyway because that was the direction for long-term sustainable health for us, anybody, anyway. So it's, I don't know, it's going to be fascinating. I, uh, as I usually put on my posts, I've got to get the popcorn out because this is the greatest show on earth. And, uh, and that's probably why <laughs> Hollywood's destroying itself and mainstream media is destroying itself because life is just that rich at the moment. Wow. Well, man, I, I love all those suggestions and, and I agree. I think that there is a ton of opportunity and in the solutions, um, Dr. Bear Lando, who I also uh, is a mutual friend of ours. He was telling me about, you know, these technologies where once they're released or figured out or however that's got to work frequency based technologies that they can heal like anything. He's like, this, this does exist. It's around the corner. Um, it's available. And I don't know why it's not available now, but who knows, why anything right now it's a bit ridiculous so I, I i gotta hope that that for whatever is going to happen that there can be a solution and when i boil it down for my own um my own process when i go right down to it, it it's it, it comes down to faith you know faith in something good uh greater natural and just remaining in honor to the best of my ability of like how i navigate my life, uh, how I try to support, how I um, carry myself, how I make decisions. And, and like you talked about that direction, I would be totally cool with that. And I feel like a lot of this world, they struggle with because it's less, right? We're in this like accumulation culture. And I'm like, you know, I would be happy to have a, an intentional community of tiny houses with all the people that I know have been talking about the truth and everyone that's like been throwing arrows at me. I'm like, well, 
you're kind of being a butthole. You know, I don't even know if I'd want to be like hanging out with you right now. It'd be an open door, you know, forgiveness is still there. But like all the people who are doing the research and trying to tell you, like they're great people who have dedicated um, years before the pandemic on trying to help people. You know what I mean? This Now this is an expression of them doing that. Like my podcast was on spirituality and personal development. And now um, I knew all this stuff and I worked on some projects on, you know, humanitarian projects in different capacities. But this is like, I can't not talk about this because it's happening to everyone. And like, whether you want the truth or you don't want the truth, I'm just going to share this evidence and then you can look for it for yourself. And if you discover it's baloney, then that's totally fine. If you've got better evidence, you can share that with me. Um, and the people that I've noticed that are doing that are all good people with track records of trying to help people, you know, like their character is solid. And so we need, uh, I don't know, it would be great if more people could remember the golden rule as, as this unfolds, you know, and more people um, find that courage to question things, to remain honorable and to seek solutions and then work towards them. And I see uh, that's a lot of what your work is. It's really amazing to watch, um, you know, watching you laugh off all the spears is like, okay, cool. Like I got to toughen up here. <laughs> so it helps me personally watching you get your butt kicked. So uh, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so uh, personally appreciate that one, but is there, uh, this has all been amazing. And I really, I really like your philosophy around everything. And, and I definitely agree with it. Is there anything that you wish that we had chatted about or you want to leave the listeners with before we close it out? No, I'm good, brother. I think I've spoken enough today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, okay. man. Well, you but know, I, I, do, I do want to thank you, Matt, for, for, for being you and for all your listeners and viewers. That um, Thank you for the time to connect today. And again, like I started this chat off, you don't need to believe anything that I've said today. You know, it might have triggered you and if it triggered you in any way, maybe that's um, a good place to have a look at why that might be. Um, or um, just throw it all in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> totally. the, trash, yes. the trash, as some people would say. Yeah. But, um, it, it's been a joy to be able to connect with you once again, brother. And uh, thank you so much for, for, for allowing me some time to chat. Oh man, my, my pleasure. Where can people find more about your work? You also have an amazing podcast. I know you're working on your own uh, network. And so you're doing a lot of amazing stuff. If people want to stay up to date with you and your work, I'll just say, join your email list because we can't trust any social media out there. So definitely join his email list on his website. And then there's probably some other uh, platforms where you're, you're putting out content as well. Yeah, we just launched EvolveNetwork.tv. So that's EvolveNetwork.tv. And on that we have, it's a $10 Australian dollars a month or $100 a year subscription network that has our two films, The Magic Pill, The Magic Plant. It has 16 episodes of a cooking show that we created called The Paleo Way. Uh, they're 30-minute 30 episodes with three or four recipes each. Uh, a couple of hundred podcasts, a hundred video podcasts in there as well, expert interviews with people from around the world, uh, cooking classes, as well as other people's documentaries like Ben Stewart, who I mentioned before, his esoteric agendas on there. Uh, we've got pay-per-view options. We've got the, all of all Andy Wakefield's films just launched on the platform this week. So Vaxxed, 1986, The Act. Um, and we've got Laurie Ladd on there doing some uploads every week as well. So we want to create a, a conscious network that 
cannot be deplatformed or uncensored. And uh, for conscious content creators, whether it's any of those fields for long-term sustainable health, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, uh, we have the ability to set you up with your own channel. So if you want to contact us, just go to inquiries at evolvenetwork.tv. That's inquiries at evolvenetwork.tv. We can set up your own channel if you would like because, yeah, censorship is real and it's happening and uh, we've, uh, we've, we've managed to do this just in time. So it's exciting times. Amazing, man. Well, I appreciate you and, and everything you're doing. So um, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and your work. I look forward to uh, experiencing the next few years together. I'll always hope for the best. Um, and then, um, I don't know, deal with whatever is going to come down the chute. Just try and make positive choices. But it uh, makes it a bit easier knowing that you're out there. And, uh, you know, I don't know about p- talking about solutions, but uh, you always, every time I see your posts, they make me smile. You know, you're, you've got a great spirit. So it uh, makes me hopeful. You, you bring me hope, man. So uh, keep up the amazing work and uh, look forward to uh, 2021 with you, man. Thanks, brother. And I'm on Instagram and Parlor. Instagram, I usually share a recipe a day too for free. So if anybody is keen to learn some more, jump on there. Yeah, Chef we haven't, you know, I was, and on any other day, we would have explored all of the recipes and, and, all of that incredible knowledge you have, which I wish, but we have this whole thing going on. So I'll be diving in more to the, uh, check out the recipes because there's nothing better than understanding how to fuel your body. It's something that I don't really know well. So I'm excited to look at that myself. So thanks for the work, man. You'll be seeing me creeping your Instagram, finding some recipes. Awesome, mate. Next time for sure. We'll talk food. See you, mate. Sounds good. See you guys. Bye.